This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Starting a series called Growing Together, and we're talking about love, marriage, and intimacy, but the principles we're going to talk about, uh, yes, they will elevate and enhance your marriage, or if you're single, your future marriage, if you hope to be married one day, or, but they also work in all the meaningful relationships in our lives. But when it comes to marriage, ladies, you grew up. You grew up thinking about the day you would get married. Those of you that are married, you, from a, a young child, you started thinking, you started processing, you thought about how it would be the perfect day. You thought about the perfect location. You thought, you, you picked your colors when you were like eight years old, but you've changed that five or six times at least. Uh, you, you thought about the perfect guy and you thought about the perfect house and perfect kids, and you just, you could see it all, what it could be. Guys, when you thought about your future as it, as it relates to marriage, your fantasy was very different. Guys, when you thought about marriage, you thought, she's going to walk around the house naked every day, and we're going to steam up the windows about once an hour. And by the way, before I go any further, before I go any further, um, if you're a parent and you have kids in the room, <laughs> we have something called C3 Kids. And during this series, it may be very helpful to plug your kids into C3 Kids. You're, you're welcome to let them stay in the room. That's fine. I'm just not responsible for any awkward conversations at lunch. That's not on me. We have C3 Kids, especially, I want to give you a warning. Last Sunday in February, we're talking about intimacy <laughs> you, you, you want your kids, fifth grade and younger, in C3 Kids. And there's a reason we have C3 Kids. We don't take our five-year-olds and send them to college freshman English. We send them to kindergarten because we want them to get a solid foundation. And they're adults investing in and pouring into our kids. It is not babysitting. It is not childcare. They're teaching kids about Jesus on their level to build a solid foundation. So that's the main reason we do it. Uh, but a second reason, distant second, is that we are very honest and authentic and deal with very real issues in this room. And so we're going to talk about some very honest things. And uh, if, if you are in the room and you have your kids with you and you want them to stay, that's cool. It's not on me. But if you want to slip out, take them, check them into C3 Kids, that's fine as well. But uh, ladies, you, you dreamed of so many things that you thought would be perfect. And guys, you dreamed of one thing you thought would be often. And many of you that are married... Uh, guys and ladies, you're still waiting for those dreams to come true. It's not exactly how you thought it'd be. And the beautiful thing about Scripture, God has so much to say about marriage. In fact, the beginning of the Bible, book of Genesis, begins with a marriage, Adam and Eve. You go all the way to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation talks about a marriage between Jesus and what he calls his bride, the church. And through all the pages of Scripture, there are principles that apply to our marriage and how we can enhance marriage, how we can do marriage the way God intended it to be. And think about it. If God is the creator of life and marriage was God's idea, God gets to define what marriage looks like and God knows best how we can live our best in marriage. Today we're going to look at an intense passage of Scripture. And some of you, when we read these verses, there's going to be some pushback. Some of what we read, you're, you're going to cringe a little bit on the inside. In fact, you might even get a little bit mad. 
But I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. First of all, you have to decide at some point in life what you believe about the Bible. It is not surprising, should not be surprising to you, that I believe the Bible is the Word of God. And I I don't believe that because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I believe that, and it's what I feel like God called me to do. But I believe the Bible is the Word of God because I'm a Christ follower. And I figured out in life, the older I get, I am now 50, none your business, and the older I get, the more I figure out, I've changed my mind on some things. There are things I thought I was right about at one time, and now I know I wasn't. But the Word of God is always true. It is foundational. In the life of C3, we believe it's the living Word of God. And as we read this book, this book reads us. And it has the ability to change our lives when the Spirit of God uses the Word of God in our hearts and lives. You've got to decide what you believe about the Bible. But I'm going to come from a perspective, and we as a church come from a perspective, that it is the Word of God, and God knows best how to do this thing called life and marriage as well. The other thing I would ask is as we read this passage, if there is sort of a reaction inside you of, oh, I don't like that, I don't agree with that, or if you you might even just get a little bit mad a little bit on the inside, I'm going to ask you to hit the pause button for just a few moments and allow me to explain and talk through the text and what it's actually saying. Because one of the most dangerous things we do that impacts our relationships, that impacts our lives, that impacts how we think and how we live, is making assumptions. And sometimes we assume things about what Scripture is teaching that it means something entirely different. Or we don't have the whole context, we don't have the whole picture. And so I'm going to ask you just to give me a few minutes, even if initially as I'm reading this there's a little bit of a cringe factor, give me a few minutes to explain it. I do have a goal. I have something I'm shooting for, something in mind, not just today, but throughout this series. And my goal is this. I want you to live, and I want to live an uncommon life. I want you to experience, and I want to experience an uncommon marriage. I want us to have uncommon relationships. Because common is painful. What's common is often confusing. What is common and accepted is betrayal. What's common is anger. Sadness is common in our relationships and often in our marriages. Divorce is common. And many of you have walked through the pain of divorce. And there's something that I want to say to you too as we begin this series. If you've walked through a divorce, first of all, I'm deeply sorry for the pain that you've had to navigate. Secondly, I want you to know you are not a second-class citizen. Your life is not over. It does not mean that God values you less. I'm, I'm just a guy. Like, I, I don't have a special cell phone where I can call Jesus at any moment. Like, I, I don't have some special connection that you don't have. I'm just a guy. I'm in this journey with you. And I'm the guy that stood in front of a church when we met at Regal Cinemas, our church, in August of 2011 and had to announce that Angie and I had separated, that we were filing for divorce. It wasn't a separation of, hey, let's see if things work out. It was done. Our marriage was as dead and over as any marriage you've ever seen. 
I know what it is to have the conversation where you look your children in the face and you know that the words you're about to speak to the kids you love with all of your heart are going to bring them some of their deepest pain in all of life. I know the conversation. It's not you, it's us. And we're going to love you completely. And we're going to do everything. I've lived that conversation. I have seared in my mind The look on the faces of every one of my kids when those words came out of my mouth. I don't understand everything you've been through. I don't pretend to. I understand that there's a lot I don't understand. But there are some things, unfortunately, that I am familiar with. In our story, After a few months, God restored our marriage. We've now been married over 33 years, which I thank God for, and that is a tribute to an amazing woman. But the principles I'm going to talk about in this series, especially for those of you who've walked through pain, especially for those of you who feel like you've blown it and and it's over, I, I remember the feeling of, I'll never be fully happy again. I want you to understand every single thing I'm going to share with you today and through this series isn't something I just read somewhere or heard somewhere. It's things I try to apply to my life, things I try to live. And I want you to understand no matter who you are, no matter what you've walked through, no matter how bad it's been, whether it was your fault or somebody else's fault, whatever your story is, I honestly believe with everything in me. If I didn't believe this, I would quit. I would quit doing what I'm doing. I honestly believe the rest of your life can truly be the best of your life. I don't think it's over. I don't think God's done with you. I think he has a purpose for your life. And so in the life of C3, when we talk about things, it's never for the purpose of beating you up for a past you can't change. It's always for the purpose of what does the Word of God say about your life and my life today, and how do we build on that moving forward to live the life He created us to live? Common is conflict. Some of you are married and you're miserable. And for some of you, you've decided it's somebody else's fault. Or maybe you have no idea why. But as a Christ follower, Jesus said he came to give us life to the full here on earth. And so often as followers of Jesus, we fall into a pattern of thinking, man, one day we're going to heaven. Heaven begins the moment you give your life to Jesus. And there's more life that we can experience in this life that we don't have to wait on. Yes, things will change in eternity in some very good ways for Christ followers, but there can be some very good you and I experience now. We're called to something more, and we can live something better. We don't have to settle for what's common. So, Ephesians chapter 5, 
Submit, right there, first word. <laughs> Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hang on, it gets worse. Remember, I didn't write this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And that word, submit, we, we struggle with. I think it's very important to remember that before the word of God says, I, I don't believe this is accidental, I believe it's extremely intentional. Before the word of God says, wives, submit to your husbands, what does it say before that? Submit to one another. The biblical pattern of submission is mutual submission. So what does submission look like? How how do we do this? I I grew up in Texas, and I grew up with a mentality that Angie, when we got married, was an add-on to my life. And her responsibility was to help fulfill the vision and dreams I had for my life. We hear the word, I I grew up in church, and we hear the word helpmate. And I really viewed it as, okay, she's here to help me. And a lot of what we walked through and a lot of the pain that I had to go through is because very honestly, for the first 15 years of our marriage, I was a jackass. Biblical word, King James, look it up. I, I, I I was a complete idiot. And I treated her as an add-on to my life. It was all about where I wanted to go on vacation, what I wanted to do, what I wanted us to eat, what I thought the kids should do. And she was just there to fulfill what I thought should happen. And I contributed significantly to the pain that the people I loved the most had to walk through because of my selfishness and my arrogance and because I was self-consumed. See, if you're not careful, men, if you're not careful, and and, and I'm going to speak a lot, I'm going to speak some to ladies very, very carefully, but guys, I'm going to speak mostly a lot of this to guys because I am one, and there are some things you need to understand because I think, listen, I, I, you know, sometimes before I say something, I literally think, should I say that? And it's almost like I pray while I'm talking, God, should I say that? And, and sometimes I pay attention to him, and sometimes I ignore him, and I say stuff I shouldn't say. But, um, sir, you were created to be a man, and there's a time in life that the little boy has to sit down and the man has to stand up. And you need to be a freaking man. And you need to take responsibility for your life. And you need to discover and look at your own selfishness and your attitudes and the impact of how you function and how it impacts the people that you say that you love. People are not add-ons to your story. The people around you that you love are just as valuable. And Scripture has a lot to say about how you and I need to function. So what does submission look like? There are some things, a lot of things, that Angie is way better at than I am. I I think it's why the scripture says, before it talks about, hey, wives do this and husbands do this, before it gets into any of that, it says submit to one another. There are some things that she's just wired to be better at. She's just more gifted at. Remember, men and women are made in the image of God, equally made in the image of God, and there are attributes of the image of God that men have. There are attributes of the image of God that women have, and what's important to understand is that, hey, your spouse can be better at some things, and so the things that Angie is better at, 
listen, I would be a fool not to let her take lead on those areas. Like, she can run with it. And then there's, there's maybe one or two things I'm slightly better than her at. And so she allows me to take lead in those areas. Submission is not something you do from a place of weakness because you can't do it on your own. Submission, the one who submits is actually the stronger one in the relationship willing to say, hey, I acknowledge, I see, I am mature enough to recognize you're more gifted, you're better in this area, you take lead here. It's a dynamic that God put in place. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The way you love your bride, is it all selfishly beneficial or is it authentically loving? I had to have a shift in my mentality where I began to ask, okay, She's created in a very unique way. She's a very special person. She has very special gifts. And and part of my role, look at this verse, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do for the church? He gave his life for the church. He laid down his life. Jesus functioned like a servant. He served, and that's what he did, and that's how he lived and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. What does that mean? When you function in a way that is unloving towards your wife, it will damage the relationship, and as a result, it will damage you. When you disrespect your wife, When you don't treat her with honor, it it will damage the relationship, and a damaged relationship causes pain to both people. One of the most short-sighted, one of the stupidest things you can do is disrespect or, or function in a selfish way with your spouse or do anything that puts them down. I, I, I will not be close friends with any man. You, you've known the guys that just kind of stand in a circle and bash their wives. Jethro, you can get the fat out of Dodge. Like, I don't roll like that. I will not be close to you. I don't have respect for you when you function like that. You are a little man when you function like that. And if you disagree, you're wrong. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, back to the Bible. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. It is going to benefit you when you love your wife the appropriate way. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, very intentional language, and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So some of the things we read may not sit well with you, but, but here's, just, just give me a moment, here's what I want you to understand. Ephesians, you have to understand the context. A book in the Bible inspired fully by the Holy Spirit of God, all the Word of God, written through a human author to a particular church in that time and culture. And the purpose of Ephesians, part of what it's doing is it has to, before it can build anything, it has to deal with some things that are wrong beliefs. Before you build a building, you have to do some prep work. You never build before you prep. Without the prep, the structure won't last. Without the prep, you're wasting your time building. Ephesians 
leads us to do some prep work. If you take a raw piece of land and you're going to build a building on it, there's some stuff you've got to do to that land first. You have to dig some things up. You have to remove some trees. You have to remove some debris. You have to get it ready. Well, Ephesians is going to remove and blow up a common myth that we have believed in our culture, a common myth that we actually even believe in the church. And if you're married and you believe this myth, it is doing damage to your relationship. If you're single and hope to be married one day and you believe this myth, it is doing damage to your future relationship. And here's the myth. I have to find the right one. I have to find the perfect one made just for me before the beginning of time, the the one that was made to be my my soulmate. And when I jump into a relationship with the one, there's this chemical reaction that just takes place and it ignites a great marriage. You you just got to find the right one. And it's a complete myth. I'm going to date myself here a little bit. How many of you remember the movie Jerry Maguire? Younger people, you can Google that later. Jerry Maguire. At the end of the movie, Tom Cruise says to Renee Zellwinger, he says and signs, you complete me. And it sounds so, oh, it's a bunch of malarkey. There's nothing true about this statement. She says, you had me at hello. But he says, you complete me. And we're drawn in our feelings to that, but in reality, it's completely untrue. The myth is that there is one person designed out there just for you, and if you find that one right person, it's like putting two pieces of a puzzle together, and when you join them, it results in completion. And that's how you have a happy marriage. That's how you live happily ever after. But it's not true. As Christ followers, we've bought into this myth, the myth of you just got to find the right one. We say things like, my marriage is my top priority. My marriage is my, man, it's, it's number one in my life. But Jesus doesn't teach that your spouse is your first priority. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, the Bible says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Every now and then when I'm preaching and teaching, somebody will shout out amen or somebody will say, man, preach it. Or somebody will be like, that's good. And, and I, I love it when you do that. What I hope nobody ever says is, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. But, but somebody interrupted Jesus when he was talking and said that. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Jesus is saying the highest blessing in life is not found in family, it's found in God's word. And God's word is foundational for family. And when God's word, you seek that and it's foundational, it will help you build an amazing family. The Bible teaches that your spouse is not your one, your spouse is your two. It was seven years that our marriage was in trouble. We went to counselors. Oh, we went to so many counselors. I, I helped some people like add on to their homes and add swimming pools. And we went to so many counselors. We went to Dallas to a counselor. We went to Colorado for a week and a half of intense marital counseling for marriages in crisis. There were, I think, 24 sessions, and 23 of the 24 sessions was her getting to tell me what was wrong with me. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was a blast. But, but the counselor in Dallas, he, he looked at me, and he said, listen, part of the problem is you're worshiping your wife more than Jesus, and you're looking to her to meet needs that only Jesus can meet. And in many ways, you actually worship the idea of marriage more than even your own marriage. 
when you make your spouse your one, you complete me, as cool as that sounds, it is devastating and has far-reaching implications in both your relationship with God as well as your relationship with your spouse. Here's how the myth of finding the one damages our lives and damages our relationships. If you're single and you buy into this myth, it points your focus to finding instead of becoming. Your job is not to find the right person. Your job is to become the right person. And the Bible speaks clearly to who you are and who you can become. Guys that are single in the room, if you hope to be married one day, when you think of the perfect lady, the one, what's she like? She's gorgeous, of course. She's smart. She's funny. She's ambitious. She's independent but not distant. She's nurturing. She's wise. She's loving. She's successful. She's a hard worker. But for some of you single guys, here's the problem. The girl you're thinking about will never marry you because you play eight hours of something on Xbox every day. You know more about Call of Duty than the Call of God. You don't, you don't have a job where you could sustain life on any level. You can't even afford a pet. And you have this idea, I'm going to find the one. She won't like you. She doesn't want to be with somebody like you. You have to focus on who you're becoming so you can become the kind of person that the kind of person you're looking for would want to be with. You've got to focus on you. You can't control or change anybody else. You've got to become that kind of person. And the Bible never says a thing, not even one time, about finding that one right person in all the world designed just for you. It doesn't say anything about that. It speaks volumes on becoming the right person. Hey, Bible, how do I find the exact right person just for me? Crickets. Hey, Bible, how do I become the right person? Every single book in the Bible speaks to this. And if you become the right person, you will attract the right person. Married people, if you believe the myth of finding the one, your marriage will be consumed with you expecting your spouse to do things for you that they cannot do. The Bible often speaks of our life compared to a cup, overflowing with what God wants to pour into you. We, we have these amazing cups where you get the C3 Signature coffee. You can only get here, and it's free, and it's awesome coffee. A lot of church coffee is crap coffee, but we have really good coffee, and so I want to encourage if you like coffee. But in all of our relationships in life, we, we live with one of two perspectives. This is true in our marriage. It's true in our parenting. It's true with siblings, friends, work associates. It, it's true in all of our relationships. We live with one of two perspectives. We live for filling or we live from filling. Most people live life expecting and looking to other people to fill the cups of their souls. Will you make me happy? Will you take away my loneliness? Will you ease my pain? Will you bring me peace? Will you make me feel safe? Will you help me overcome my insecurities? And we live this endless I need, but it's never enough. Hear me, we are all broken, messed up people. None of us are perfect. 
And if you look to empty people to fill you, you will always be empty. If that's your perspective, your marriage will feel like this. You're not loving enough. You don't spend enough time with me. I need more encouragement. I need more sex. And you may need more sex. We'll talk about that the last week of February. I need more support. You're not making me happy enough. Every man's going to be here the last week of February. It's awesome. (laughs) You're not making me happy enough. You're not taking away my loneliness. You're not making me feel good. Listen, the Scriptures teach your two can never do what only the one can do. You place unbelievable weight and unrealistic expectations on any person in your life to do inside you what only God can do. You set yourself up for failure in your relationships when you look for people to fill your cup instead of trusting God and seeking Him to fill your cup. And when we get it, that our spouse is not our one, our spouse is our two, we approach God first and allow Him to fill the cup of our souls, and we live not for filling, but from filling. And if you're getting filled in your relationship with God, the one who can actually satisfy your deepest needs, then you move into other relationships. You move into your marriage. You move into the parenting relationships, the friend relationships, the work associates. When you're allowing God to fill your cup, then you're able to move into the other relationships, pouring out into other people from the spiritual depth that's been poured into you, sharing the emotional blessings with other people that God has shared with you, living the greater life that you've received from God and sharing that with the people around you. This is how God filling you up, seeking Him first, putting Him first in your life, and cultivating your relationship, your personal relationship with God. This is how you have the resources put in you by God to give encouragement, to give authentic love, to share joy, to give peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. It doesn't come from you and me. It comes from God. And God is the only one that can pour those things into my life so that I can pour them out into the lives of others. By the way, the Bible says the two become one. It never says the halves become whole. In marriage, two halves don't make a whole, they make hell. But then there's a verse. The last verse I read. There, there is so much power in this one verse. Man, if, if you don't get anything, if, if you just, just do this one verse, it's going to change some things. If you're married, if, if you do this one verse and you hope to be married one day, it's going to set you up for incredible success. Build this into your life. Verse 33, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Why why two different commands? By the way, those are not suggestions. God is not saying, if you feel like it, here's a thought. He's saying, no, live like this. If you're a follower of Jesus, live like this. Each one of you, he's speaking to men, should also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Why different commands? Does that mean that husbands don't have to respect their wives? Or wives don't have to love their husbands. That's not what he's saying at all. The Bible teaches that men and women are equal but different. The Bible teaches, listen, I'm gonna, I'm, for some of you, I'm going to ruin your nap this afternoon right now. But the Bible teaches that God created men and women. And according to the Word of God, there are two genders and that's it. And what we know to be true, what every one of us know to be true, like we know this, 
We're just supposed to pretend we don't. We know that men don't menstruate and men don't have babies. Like, we know this. It's not rocket science. We know this. But we are being pushed by culture to ignore what Scripture teaches, and because we've reached some place of enlightenment, and all I think about is the passage of Scripture that says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. God has known from the beginning exactly how life is to be lived, and we can live it God's way and experience the blessings He has for us and experience the life He created us to live, or we can live it our way and mess up and jack up a whole lot of stuff. Now, if you disagree with anything I just said, I'm not mad at you. You might be mad at me, but I'm asleep just fine tonight. I'm not mad at you. There's nothing you can do to make me mad at you. You're welcome to come back next Sunday. My responsibility, I do what I do, not so you're like, oh my gosh, that's great. I do what I do for an audience of one. And there's only one that I'm going to have to answer to when this life is over for everything that I said. So I'm going to go with what he says in his book because I believe it's the word of God and I believe it needs to be said in a culture where people are afraid to say truth and we're supposed to believe the stupidest stuff and act like we don't have a brain. The word of God lays out clearly how we're supposed to live. Our problem is we'd rather do it our way. The struggle we have is do we believe the Bible's the word of God or not? And part of our responsibility as Christ followers is people that don't agree with us. If you disagree with me, I don't hate you. I refuse to buy into the lie that says if we disagree, we're supposed to hate each other. No. We can disagree. I'll still love you. I'll shake your hand. I'll be nice to you. We'll grab a cup of coffee at C3, Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Lobos is in the lobby. But listen, we we have to understand our mission is love, and it is not loving to enable behavior that is going to bring pain to people's lives. If your child wants to go play in the middle of I-4, you don't say, well, if that's how you feel, go ahead. Dad, I feel British today. I'm going to drive on the left side of the road. Okay, go ahead. We know this. This is not complicated. It is okay to believe the right stuff. We just need to be compassionate and loving in how we do that. And we need to be loving toward people that disagree. But the loving thing to do is to share the truth. And that's, that's a whole different message. But the different commands are because we are wired differently. Men and women are equal, but created differently. Equal, here's the key, but with different keys to their hearts. This one verse gives you the key to your spouse's heart. Each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So men, the Bible teaches that we are to pour out love into the heart of our spouse. How do you do that? Well, one way is when you think something good about her, say it to her. Shoot her a text when you think something good about her. Have the conversation. When you think something good about her, when you think something good about her, say it to her. And and here's a tip. Give your wife non-sexual affection. (laughs) Guys, some of you are like, what's that? (laughs) It's affection that doesn't involve sex or affection that's not an agenda to get to sex. Non-sexual affection. See, love is not just sex, so don't act like it is. If the only time you show affection is when you're wanting sex, that's not loving somebody, that's using somebody. 
Love is something that's far more. Yes, and, and listen, sex is not bad. Sex is amazing. I'm so glad God invented it. It's amazing. And the best way to do it is the way God said. Just like the warmth of a fire in the fireplace is awesome. Take that fire out of the fireplace and build it on your couch, you're going to burn the house down. There's a way to do it and enjoy it. There's a way that will wreck your life. Sex is amazing. In fact, sometimes, I, I don't know if you ever think like this, but sometimes I, I think, man, I, I wonder the angels standing around. Like when God decided, I'm going I'm to invent sex, I I wonder if he talked to the angels and said, watch this. I mean, like, I, 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 I mean, like, so please don't think because we're in church, we're down on sex. No, sex, I'm a fan. Like, it's awesome. But the reality is you need to love your spouse beyond what she can do for you or how she can make you feel. Now, ladies, you already know what I'm about to say. Men have a unique ability to turn every conversation into something sexual. We can be at home, and Angie says something like, we need to paint that baseboard. I'll paint your baseboard. (laughs) You thought it was just your husband. It's not. It's every guy. And it doesn't mean he's a pervert. It means he's a man. I mean, he's, he's just, he's wired to think like that. So guys, let me help you. Here's something that will help you. This week, this week, man, we should have taken, we are taking the offering after the message. It should be a good offering today. It should be a good offering. This week, let me give you a sentence to master. Guys, with your wife, every single day this week, use this sentence. And and, and if your wife is here, she knows you're supposed to do this. And if you don't, you get an F for the week and it's not going to go well. But a sentence to master. Guys, here it is. To love your wife in a way that is non-sexual. To love your wife in a way that she feels valued and adored and cherished. Here's the sentence. Every day, use this sentence. I love you because, and finish it. I love you because of how creative you are. And the things Angie, Angie has this ability. She can take pictures. It's just like art. It's like, oh my, I've tried, I don't try anymore. I've tried to take pictures of things. Man, I try so hard. Oh, that'd be a cool picture. I try to get the right angle and I don't know how to use all the filters. Like I just try and I take the picture and it looks terrible. And then like a sixth grade girl takes a picture of a shoestring and gets 8,000 likes on social. Like I don't even understand. But Angie's amazing at, at photography. Or, babe, I I love you because even though you deal with constant pain from a brain tumor, you serve our family so well. I love you because you make the most of every day. I love you because of the strength that you have and how that's shown. I love you because of how forgiving you are when I say really stupid stuff on Sundays like some stuff today that I'll hear about. I love you because. Guys, every day this week, through a text, through a phone call, face-to-face, I love you because. Here's the thing about this statement. It's like cumulative interest. You're going to do it this week, and she might think, well, the pastor told you to. But isn't it a good thing, ma'am, 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 isn't it a good thing if he does what the Word of God, like, isn't that a good pattern to start? And if you do it beyond this week, I didn't tell you to do that. That's on you, Bubba. You get the reward for that. I love you because, ladies, the Bible says to respect your husbands. (laughs) I'll respect him when he deserves it. (laughs) 
I understand, but I just have a question. How's that working for you? Because that attitude's not changing anything. Ladies, here's what you have to know about guys. And this is important to understand. You, you can fight against it or you can embrace it and roll with it. He is always becoming what you see him as. He's always becoming what you see him as. So, lady, here's, here's a tip for you if, if, I, if I could give you one. With your words, if you give him a crown, he'll become a king. You have the ability to convince him more than anybody else that he can or he can't. Every Sunday, Angie will come to me at some point and say, that was awesome. Man, the way God used you, the way you allowed God to use you, that, that was incredible. And, and i got to be honest with you. I'm able to do what I can do because, first of all, the Spirit of God in me, anything good you see in me, it's from God, not from me. But secondly, I have a bride that understands respect is served on a platter of encouragement. And she encourages me. And the truth is, I don't care if all of y'all hate the message. If she liked it, I'm good. I'm good. Because she just has it, like, it, 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 it does something to me on the inside. Ladies, you hold so much power over the ability to help your man believe he is or he'll never be. Encouragement in the mouth of a woman is strong in the heart of a man. So how can you encourage him this week? If you're saying things constantly like, I wish my husband was a spiritual leader, he never will be, because you've just told him he's not and he can't. So what are the ways, not with lying, but what are the authentic, I mean, there's something good. You said I do. There's something good about him. What are the ways you can honestly begin to encourage him? And what do you see in him? See, Angie sees things in me that I don't see. She sees the potential of what God has put in me that I don't recognize. I battle my own insecurities. I battle my own struggles. I I battle the things. My weaknesses are glaring to me. You don't have to tell me about them. I know what they are. I look at them every day in the mirror. Like, I I get it. But, But she sees beyond what I see and helps me see what God is doing in my life. And if she didn't do that I could never do this. So today, the question is not what does your wife need to do or what does your husband need to do to become the one or to be the one for you. The question that you owe it to yourself to ask and answer is who are you becoming? What do you need to do? Are you becoming, if you're single, are you becoming the kind of person that the kind of person you're looking for would be looking for? If you're married... Are you becoming the kind of person that the kind of person you'd like to be married to would want to be married to? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your deep love for every single person in this room. And Father, I pray right now for those in this room who've walked through significant pain in relationships who are maybe walking in significant pain right now. I pray you would do what only you can do in your loving, comforting, healing way. God, I pray you'd give wisdom. And I pray you'd help us to focus on what we can do as individuals, to be who you created us to be. The areas where we need to become something that we're not. Father, I pray this week 
you would help us to put into place what we've talked about today. It means nothing if we hear it in a moment and it doesn't create a momentum in our lives of pursuing your truth and applying it to our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you know that the greatest need in your life is to give your life to Jesus because here's the truth. Sir, you will never be the man or the husband that you want to be until you've given your life to Jesus. You don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. And you already know that. We disappoint ourselves every day. Forget keeping God's standard. We can't even keep our own standard. The only way you're going to live the life you could live and be the man or the husband you'd like to be is if you know God in a personal way. Ladies, the only way you're going to be the lady you'd like to be or the wife you'd like to be is if you know God in a personal way. It takes more than what we have. That's one of the things that's so incredible about a God who invites us to call him Father and the sacrifice that Jesus paid so we could know him personally. And when you invite Christ to come into your life, he forgives your sin, he gives you a home in heaven after this life, and he gives you his spirit to live inside you to help you be that man, that lady, that husband, that wife, that dad, that mom that you'd love to be. So maybe today you'd like to pray a very simple prayer and give your life to Christ. I would love to lead you in that prayer. You can pray out loud or you can pray in the quietness of the moment. You just say, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know it. You can text your name to 407-487-8311 and Pastor Byron will be praying for you this week. And also, we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. You can go to giveC3.cc or you can text C3Orlando to 77977. Thank you so much for how you give. And if you are in Central Florida, please join us in person at our campus at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a great week.